Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Jim Gray. Hey, hey. Talking about Gray. Jim Gray. Jim Jell. Gray Slide. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Skateboarding. This is your cheeseball host, Jim Gray, and we always start with the same really silly question. And that's I'm Jim Gray. Who the hell are you? I'm Scott Pellet. Scott Pellet. Why do I know that name? Uh, because we've been friends for several years now. <laughs> that's a good answer. I like that. I would, I would hope that you know my name. I would hope that you know my name by now. I know, I just never had a chance to ask uh, that before. So yeah. um, so Scott Pellet is a friend of mine uh, who, yeah, we've been, I don't know, 10 plus years now? I don't know, I it's can't remember. Um, we uh, met through fellow skateboarders. Scott is from Texas, uh, hails from the uh, Jeff Phillips state, we'll call it. How's that? Um, yeah. Was, uh, I, I think that's one thing that we, uh, I think that came along after we already met each other, but he was trying to put together a uh, documentary on Jeff Phillips, correct? Yeah, there's a couple, there's a few guys down in Texas that were wanted to do a documentary on the history of Texas skateboarding, and uh, I had offered to shoot interviews with some people out here in, in California, and sort of be the, the the sort of California arm of their team. So um, I guess they had put me, they knew you, and they put me in touch with you, and you were like, "Well, come out to the um, pool party." The, at the combi, and there's going to be pros there, and you can walk around and try to. So is that set, where we first met? Set up interviews with them. I don't. I don't remember where. Yeah, I don't like remember how, that either. When, but that's, our uh... actual first meeting. But I know you for a couple of years. I think I went to the pool party with you. Yeah. And I remember. I think the first time I went out there, and I basically had my list, which I think was basically based on the 1986 uh, Houston Shut Up and Skate lineup. Okay, all right. I was basically like, I want to interview all these pros because I knew they had skated in Houston. Yeah. But, I mean, those are all the guys that I kind of like. And ironically, I think it's funny, when you finally did some interviews for that, recorded interviews, you recorded Uh some of them at my house. Yeah. And and I've had a very famous skateboarding battle with Jeff Grosso that people knew about well before he passed uh, away. That's and, how I met Grosso. Um, yeah, you met Grosso at, at my house. house. Well, yeah. we later, but that was you interviewed Jeff Grosso at my house. Right. Some people think Jeff Grosso and I like hated each other. No. We just rubbed this each other. We that. rubbed each other. But we just rubbed each other the wrong way a couple times. We didn't hate each other. I actually liked Jeff. I think Jeff liked me. We have different styles. Yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, I'm sad he's gone. I think he was. Yeah. He's he's added a lot to skateboarding. I loved watching him be a dad. So on and so forth. That's one of the funny things in skateboarding that people think that you know Jeff Phillips and I were like, and Jeff Phillips was like Jeff Grosso and I were arch rivals. But you interviewed mm-hmm. him about Jeff Phillips at my house. Yeah, um, that was. I I feel so fortunate that I was able to have that time with Jeff because um, we really it was funny. We sat down and he was like, "So you want to talk about Texas? All right, here we go." And it was like we were in it, and yeah, we I mean, were he both was a big like, when we he were both something. like really grew up like looking up to not only 
Jeff and Craig and Johnny and all those guys, but also we were really, you know, into the big boys. So, uh, and all so that, we, you, didn't you do we instantly, the there was boys? that didn't connection. You do, like their websites or something? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I run their webs, the like whatever official unofficial website, soundonsound.org. Yeah. Um, I started that when I was 19 in 1999. Yeah. Um, and the reason uh, also we got into the people asking him to do the Jeff Phillips documentary is um, he's in the film business. And we'll get to that. That's he's a we're editor. He edits. Uh, well, yeah. So my first film was actually on Jeff Phillips. The first film that I made in high school was uh, was on Jeff Phillips. It was like a class um, project film. Well, no. So I guess. All right. We, we probably have to back up quite a bit yeah, on so all this stuff. But I wanted to. Uh, finish what we were just talking about the Texas skateboarding documentary. Yeah, and, so, and filming, you filmed Jeff, you talked about the big Well, yeah, so anyway, so Jeff, you know, I was just really happy to have that couple hours with him, and we just really, like I said, we had that strong, instantly, it was like an instant connection of like, we both grew up looking up to these guys and, and loving that band, so it just like felt so comfortable from, from the get-go, and and then we, we ended up, I think, talking like another hour outside of your house, too, and... Uh, I think that was unfortunately I never got to skate with him, but that was like I'm so grateful to you for that opportunity to, to interview a lot of my heroes, but also to just have that time with them, especially with you know people like Jeff. It's not he's not around anymore, you know. It was such a fucking great experience. Um, well, that's what I love about everything, even doing these podcasts. I mean, like there's you know, uh, you never know who's going to be around how long anymore. And it could be me. Oh, yeah. This could be my last podcast. I don't know that yeah. I don't get to choose. You know? Oh, it's crazy and, how it went from um, like, I feel like it, there's such a, a uh, short period of time between all my friends are getting married and having kids to, Oh my God, everybody's dying. Yeah. Well, you know, like, I've had to talk with a few people I know, like myself that have grown up around skateboarding and hang out with people our age, well, especially y- younger age, too, blah, like, blah. You know, people all over the world, um, getting to know so many people and feeling, you know, fairly close to so many people, uh, yeah we're going to be going to a lot more funerals you know what i mean yeah. uh yeah and again we could be one of them we never know but i mean that's a, that's the downside of, of being part of such an amazing culture with so many cool people sure um that yeah. we're going to unfortunately have to watch more people die than most people. well it's a, that extended family like there's so many people so many friends that i made you know at the skate parks or just through skating you know that are still some of my closest friends no i agree mine too and yeah. so many just friendly people that you may only really consider an acquaintance but they're just so friendly from skateboarding and the comfort level sure. of the fact that you're a skateboarder and you have something in common. It's just right. like that's what brings skaters together, like like nothing I've ever seen. I've done and surfers oh, yeah. aren't that tight. I mean, they they have their tightness, you know, but but not skateboarders are just a whole different breed. Oh yeah, I love that the the fact that I can you know even when I was like when I was younger, I could go anywhere in the world and not even necessarily have to speak the language, but anywhere you would you could you would go. And you could just instantly make friends because you had that thing in common. And they would, yeah. you always had like a couch to sleep on. You always had people that would take care of you, like, like you know, like show you the, the town. Yeah, exactly. You always had those tour guides. Like, I remember Lou and I taking a trip to, or no, sorry, Brian, Brian and I took a trip to Kansas City because back then, like, we'd skate the Warp Tour because in Dallas, we there wasn't a big, like, at that time in the early 2000s, there wasn't a lot of vert skaters. So, like, Dallas, you know, like I always came in dead last because I wasn't like a great vert skater, but we I would just sign up because there wasn't enough people to like fill the lineup, and I knew I could get in and get a free pair of shoes and see the work tour for free. <laughs> so I was like, so we'd sign up in Dallas, and then one summer, Brian's like, oh, they're doing one in Kansas City and they don't have enough vert riders, and we're like, we're getting in the car, we're fucking driving up there, 
and got there and then we met up with some guys that owned a shop there that I think Brian knew and they were like gave us a place to crash and you know we did we did that like Lou and I did that in I think it was Arkansas or Tennessee we went out, I think it was Tennessee we went out there and skated the park and these these guys just let us crash at their parents house and their their mom was like oh you want to take a bath here you go and like just like yeah, let I me mean, just take a bath in their fucking like bathroom and like then they were like hey we're building a bonfire out back and and here's this uh deer jerky that we just made and you're like fuck like it was so like just yeah, that hospitality i agree like, now, skateboarders are definitely you know, like no other i've slept on their floor that night and then from, drove back from doing tours in the 80s you know whatever like you'd just be surprised someone at some demo would always invite you to their yeah. house i mean i've been to penthouse apartments in philadelphia sure. or or barns i mean yeah wrote this amazing barn out in the fields well, of birmingham alabama because i'm like come with us to our ramp afterwards and yeah. like me and lester and guys like yeah, we've seen some cool stuff on the hospitality and the barbecues. And oh yeah, it's just it's just such a great community, like you said. It's really I, I've never seen anything really like it. Like and and how like you just have this extended family no matter where you go. Like fucking Ron Allen slept on my couch now. <laughs> you I guys, know, you guys have yeah. both slept on my couch and now. What an experience like, we had, Ron Allen. So it's like out. tripping me out. I was like, I used to watch this guy in like Goldings Inside Out, and now he's sleeping on my couch and like we're going skating. That and, was like, fun, it was dude. I just wild, brought dude. some of that footage up recently, the John yeah. Anson Ford Theater. That was that was a trippy experience to be on the stage yeah and uh, i'm not even like i was like i'm not even like i've never been sponsored like i'm yeah. not that guy but i was like here i am skating with a bunch of sponsored dudes and we're just like in front of a bunch of people like you know on this uh, in this amphitheater while uh, ron allen is rapping with uh you know chuck treese and the whole other yeah, all the other guys you know, yeah it was, uh, that was quite an experience um okay so let's back up a little bit so, just yeah. as far as uh you know, you, you tell, tell us what you currently okay. do. Tell us what you've been doing for the last decade or so. Obviously, you're a skateboarder. We're going to go back yeah. to a lot of skateboarding. Well, no. But... Okay, so I started, we should probably start from the beginning. I, I started, I learned how to ride a skateboard in 1987. My friend Stuart, like, had a skateboard and taught me how to ride it. And, you know, at that time, there was, like, skate TV and stuff. But, and I, I watched it, but I didn't really, for whatever reason, it never resonated with me. I think because I didn't have friends that skated. Like if I, I feel like if I had friends that were actually trying to like skate, not just ride a skateboard around, yeah. but like I actually skated, then I probably would have taken it up a lot younger. Um, but it wasn't until like 1992, Fox showed Gleam of the Cube, but they had rebranded it as a Brothers Justice, and a lot of people probably... They changed the name? Yeah. Like I Some people are going to remember this. Some people who are listening to this, uh, the, the two people that are listening to this podcast right now... No, there's three people in four okay. countries. So, so like, some people will remember that in 1992, they, they played it on Fox, and they rebranded as a Brothers Justice, and there's a moment where it literally changed my life when I look at it now, the trajectory. Like, I, that moment literally changed my life, and that's when there's that scene where... The main character Brian, played by Christian Slater, is being chased by these two baddies on motorcycles, and he's hitching on the back of this like truck, and he's putting on the gloves, and he flips around and starts going the other way, and the motorcycles bust at you and start chasing after him, and there's that moment where he's like the score swells and he leans back and slides around the corner, and I'd never seen downhill like that before. Like you watch the old pal video, I hadn't seen the yet I yeah. had seen those old yeah. pal videos where like Stacy and those guys were doing the downhill but that moment when I saw him slide around the corner I was just like it's like the hair on the back of your neck stands up and yeah. Like, yeah I was just like that is so fucking cool and I want to be able to do that because I think anybody who skates you wanted to gleam inside a cube anybody who skates is like <laughs> you know I think we're those kind of DIY people where we're just like I don't know how to do that I'll figure it out I'm pretty sure I can figure it out you know what I mean and so you're like 
I don't know what that is or how the fuck to do it, but so I'm going to try gleaming, and do you're it. You're a product of gleaming the cube. Basically. I, like I was that. just like, I saw that. And oh, that, that wasn't that called is gleaming just... the cube. How did you learn it was called gleaming the cube later? Well, later on, yeah. But you, you it was called a brother's justice. They called it a brother's justice, yeah, when they aired it. Wow, that's pretty it was weird. So I saw that one moment and I was just like, that was it. But little did I know. And also, by the way, those motorcycle guys were clearly pacing him. Because like, when you watch it now, they're not going very fast. Like, you're like, those guys could have been going faster. Like, I think they could have caught him. Like, they're kind of giving him, I, I feel like they were kind of giving him a little bit of a head start. Like, let's see what this guy can do. I think they were just as stoked on that well, shit I think we're going to have to analyze that one saw of these it, days on like, another Whoa. podcast. Who, um, have you ever met Justin Glory? Mm -hmm. Glory Motorworks. No. Um, he's a skater. He's from originally from the East Coast, lives out here now. He rents all the movies to the movies. Look what I'm wearing. I'm wearing a Matrix shirt today. Uh -huh. yeah. It's the motorcycle crew backstage shirt because he brings uh, okay. them Harleys and yeah. Triumphs and so on and so forth. Yeah. He's a great skateboarder and uh, he would uh, probably be able to analyze that and tell us if they were faking because he gets No, it's, seriously. I'm you, just teasing. If I'm you saying, watch it's it, an excuse. Absolutely. I'm saying I'm going to ask Justin yeah. Glory to come do it. But when you watch it, like, they're going kind of slow. They're not really like, yeah. I feel like they could have caught him if they wanted to, but I think they were also like probably hanging back and being like, let's see what this guy does. And like, they were probably like, whoa, that's pretty impressive. Hey, they had never gleamed inside a cube before. They had not. So and did you were, know how that came about? That was literally just a it wasn't like, in a surfing term no 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 it was literally i can't remember what it's gary davis neil blunt or something like that but i think it was maybe gary davis asking like in an interview like as a total joke like in an interview question have you ever gleamed the inside cube. of a cube and so when the writers looking for names really? flipping through skateboard oh magazines God. they somehow caught that and thought that was some form of a skateboard term yeah. gleaming the cube yeah you know what I mean? But it he was should have copyrighted it. Um, I know. He could have made like, so much money it, off that movie. Honestly, it probably was copyrighted because it was written in a magazine, which I know, he copyrights anyway. So I know. What happened? I have no idea. That's the story. Is that literally they pulled a line out of a, out of a random question yeah. interview? Have you ever gleamed inside a cube? That's like hilarious. being a sarcastic, like yeah, you know, ask someone something, they go, "What the hell are you talking about?" Well, yeah. it became a movie. Yeah. So. Um, but yes. for some reason, Fox thought it should be. Well, brother, yeah, I'm clearly they justice. were like, this is like, problematic. So I don't know what was going on right. in 1992. Okay, so but, let's go on. Because like I just said, we only yeah. have an hour. Yeah. We're going to do an so, hour today. So I and saw so, that movie and I was like, I want to learn how to skateboard. skate, right? Yeah. But what I didn't realize is that at that point, it was the big pants, small wheel era, you know? So I was like going into that and you're going down to the drugstore and buying Thrasher and you're looking in the magazine and you're going like, reading these terms that are highly technical, like switch, backslide, tail slide, he'll flip yeah. out, what are this and that. And you're trying to figure out like what the trick is and how they do it and why it's called what it's called and all that shit you had to decipher. There wasn't any, like now there's YouTube, there's all these resources, you can just Google that shit. Back then there was no internet. They're like there were skate videos. Like eventually, I got a hold of skate videos. But so I started skating. Uh, well, I took it took me a year to save up money to buy a skateboard. And then of course your parents are like, you gotta buy pads and a helmet too. And of course, you know, no one in the magazines is wearing pads and a helmet when they're skating streets. So it's very uncool to do that, right? Um, yeah. So saved up money for a year. First board was a well, actually, first I bought the deck and ended up sending it back. It was a Chet Thomas Santa Cruz, the comic book one with the guy with the gun in the guy's mouth and blows oh. his brains out or whatever. Yeah. Which my mom loved that one, by the yeah, way. I bet, I bet it's a slick really, bottom. So she probably appreciated that a lot. Yeah. So I, it might have been part of the reason I had to send it back. So then I got like I ordered a complete. It was a blind Brian Lottie, the the blind rider, the Blade Runner like ripoff. You know. Well, they um, didn't rip anything off. Well, whatever. No, I'm they ripped saying. everything off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like that, it was the uh, blind, blind, uh, the the blind Brian Lottie uh, with Independence, and I had the um, Speedwheel Black Cats, which I still have the rice paper that it came in, but I don't remember what size. Maybe it was like forty. I can't remember. Yeah. I think we made down to so, thirty-six. And um, 
and I, and then first day I took it out, I wasn't used to like how fast because I've been riding some of my friends' boards and stuff, and they're old, and you know, wasn't used to how fast those bearings were. Which again seems ironic now because you're like 38 millimeter wheels, 43. Yeah. You, you were riding your bearings. To, yeah, so I was trying to go. Yeah, they're, they're bearing covers. So I was trying to ride down the street, and it was like going too fast, and it shot out from under me and went straight into the sewer. And I can't tell you how many times I was having. In fact, there was a and you couldn't street. get in the sewer to get it. No, I got it out. Okay. I got really good at doing right. that yeah, in, okay. in fishing, my neighborhood because out, yeah. it happened more than once. There yeah. was another hill bias that we tried to bomb down one day, and again, I lost control of the board and went straight down the bottom, right across the street, and right into the sewer. So we got really good at getting into the sewer and getting our boards out. What year was um, this, like 93, 92, 93? This is like October 93 when yeah. I started. Because I started skating. Acme Skateboards in 1991. Yeah. And then we started going, the sizes were getting smaller. Sure. I mean, we, we made wheels that we called, you said the word bearing covers, we left. We called them bearing covers. Yeah. They were 52 millimeters. Yeah. That was like, are you kidding me? You're making a wheel there so was, small, it's a bearing cover. I remember and, like, there's other fun names, like Little Shits. You remember those? Yeah, the yeah. Little, so yeah, like no, but uh, it was funny because it hadn't gotten really small yet. We hadn't yeah. gotten into the forties. We were still sure. in the fifties. We were calling them bearing covers, making a joke out of it. Yeah, I think our next one was the low rider, which was a forty-eight, and they just kept going down yeah. and down and down. Well, there was a so. period where, for I remember the first time I got sixties, it was Fred Gall Spitfires, and those were like ninety-six when they started kind of making bigger wheels again. Yeah, and and some were by like late. Yeah, 90s, I still made big wheels. I they just, started kind of coming back in the sixty millimeter range, and some of those street guys were riding sixties, but like. Up until that point, you couldn't find a 60 at, at all. Everything was like 30, late 30s, early 40s or yeah. whatever. You know, 42 millimeter was kind of like the, you know. I think 45 is the lowest I went to my personal self because we had a mini ramp. And I was after that. I was like, I can't yeah. ride smaller than that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. So that got you so, skateboarding. That's what you started on. So I started uh, skating and my dad would take me to the Jeff Phillips Skate Park. Um like basically once a month, like on a Friday night. How far away? Do you live in the general? Like Forty-five area. minutes away. Okay, yeah, still, so we were on the, the other suburbs? side of town. Okay. Yeah, so um, my dad would take me over there, like on a Friday night, and like either sleep in his car or read the newspaper while I skated for a couple hours. And at that point, so I, I'd seen. I never met Jeff. I saw him skate once uh, when we because we moved back. We had moved back to Dallas from Austin in the, that summer. So I saw him at Wet n Wild was this like, you know, water park there uh, in Garland. And I saw he was doing demos at that time at, at Wet n Wild. So I saw Jeff skate. Um, it was like this sort of cross-shaped ramp. At the time, I didn't understand because I didn't really skate yet. But now it's like, obviously, it's a little hard to talk to somebody, hold a conversation when you're in the middle of like a backside disaster or whatever. So, you know, I was trying to talk to him and then I was kind of hurt because he wasn't talking to me. I was like, he's in the middle of fucking skating, you idiot. Like, was, you know, he so, was pretty intense. Jeff was, well, as far as skateboarding, well, he loved yeah. skateboarding. So, like, Jeff was one I mean, of And I'm sure ever. knowing what I know about him now, I'm sure like if I had stuck around, he would have been super fucking rad and talking He was one of the sweetest men. Yeah, yeah. One of the sweetest guys ever in Yeah, so I'm just like, I really regret, like I kind of was like put off and then I went off to the wave pool or whatever and like then that was my opportunity that I could have met him. And then when I went to the park, he was never there, um, you know, like I would go there on Friday nights and at that point, like skating was dead and that park was like... Did Billy run it you, or was Billy the one who ran it? I don't or? know if Billy was around. I don't remember who's really working behind the yeah. the counter uh, at that point, but again, you'd go out there and maybe be like 10 guys there on a, on a Friday night yeah. or Saturday night. Like it was really dead and the, the park was pretty, like there was half the lights were out. Like it was pretty felt really kind of run down and you're in this like sketchy neighborhood because at that time like that area was kind of a little sketch it was all warehouses and stuff but yeah. um I, I think the first time i went this guy taught me how to drop in it was like 
you know, it's like one of the greatest feelings in the world, you know, when you first get that trick, you know, and, and like streetwise, like the first trick I really learned was like a, doing a shove it on like a, it'd be like a little bit of the driveway, like embankment, you'd yeah. do like shove it to fakie. Yeah. And I remember sitting there for like, and like hours and my buddy uh, was right by my friend's house and I remember him coming out of the house with, hey man, your mom just called, like, you know, we need to come home for dinner and I was just like, I just gotta make this trick. And there's, there's been a couple times where, like, I had one time when my dad had to tear me away from a gap because he was going to come and pick I've me up. I've skated with you. I've watched you. And he was you. like, he's like, we got to go home. Your mom's, like, dinner's ready. And I was just like, no, I got to get this. I was, like, crying I, I, I shit. I've I was like, you. I got to do this, you, have you, know? a, you have, There's a crazy thing that gets in your eyes <laughs> yeah. when you're like, I'm going to make this. Like, stop. Yeah. You just slammed seven times. Yeah. Stop. And, yeah. You're like, and you're like, no. Yeah. yeah. I was just, and it, so, you know, I got to shove it. And then the Ollie was next. The Ollie was like, that was that's that's like it's it's a big fucking hurdle man and it took me like a while to get to just get one. and the other thing too is like again it was dead i didn't have anybody to teach me like i was renting old 80s skate videos and trying to figure out how to do that shit like i like okay trying to apply it to my new school board and like doing like i didn't there's nothing there's no resources at all and there's nobody around that really skated so the only time i saw other skaters was at the park and you know, again, like I said, went, went the first time. Guy, guy taught me how to drop in, and and I still to this day hand out that same advice to like kids of like I went. I've taught so many kids to drop in, and it's always just like I just tell them like he's like, okay, so you're gonna put your 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 back foot on the tail, hanging over the coping, and he's like, and then just he goes, you're gonna put your foot right over the front trucks, and you're gonna slam it down and, and lean Got, forward. Gotta he's slam like, it but down. Everyone he likes to like, lean back. He goes, pretend like there's a big fucking spider right there, and like if you don't kill it, it's gonna bite your ass. That's and a like, great way to describe it. That's and and I was like, okay, and I did, and like to this day, I still I teach kids to drop in. That makes I'm, you know, I'm, you just, taught, just, you like, just you, taught me something. Just pretend there's a big yeah. ass spider right there, and if you don't slam it down and kill it, it's gonna bite your ass. One and of my greatest moments in skateboarding in the last five years, Marty and I were at Huntington Beach once, and there was a kid like yeah. wanted to learn, he was scared to death, and Marty and I held his hands, yeah. and guided him yeah. through it, and got him until. He rolled away, and the next time I came, a couple months later, he just come rolling up to me. You remember me, man? Do you remember me? I'm like, of course I remember you. I yeah. made you help you do your first drop, and I yeah. know we, we changed your life that day. Yeah, because you could feel it right when it happened. This kid's whole self worth went yeah. like up ten times, and it was like it was so cool. But I never thought about because trying to tell someone how to push that front down, you gotta slam you, it down. You have to try otherwise to lean forward, otherwise yeah. you're gonna lean backwards yeah. and get hurt. You'll Skyler, we were skateboarding with with uh, I've seen it happen so many um, times with Wee Man at SoCal Skate Shop. And, and Skyler wasn't much of a skater, but we just thought he'd try um, at the time. And Wee Man's, oh, yeah, come on, do it. And, he, and the pressure was because it was Wee Man. Yeah. But I wasn't going to be listened to when I was like, lean forward, lean forward. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, Skyler leaned back and ate shit. Yeah. So bad. I went on videos. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. I'm, uh, I'm actually amazed that, like, the first thing they tried to get me to drop in on was the mini ramp in the front of the, the skate park. And that was way taller. And then, like later on, they took me to the back, in the street section. And there's a one, one this one spot where you could drop in on, um, and it was way lower. And that one was actually there's actually an easier place than that. It has to have the right pitch, though. It has to have well, some sure, pitch because if it's just a, a little angly bank, you're gonna lean back. No, well, you know yeah, I mean? so, no, this yeah. one wasn't too bad. But there's another little section near there because it was all like a bold in like street course. So this was after they redid everything and like the, so they had this the street course was all bold in and stuff. It wasn't actually like they moved the vert like the vert ramp used to be going one direction and then like they moved it. So like there's another section of that little street area that's actually lower and it's actually easier to drop in on. And I, I learned that later on. But 
where I did initially drop in uh, was, you know, again, I'm amazed that I even tried that mini ramp in the front because I'm just like, why would you like? I wouldn't take a kid there and have him <laughs> drop in. There. But I had a kid recently that at my local park that it was like, you could tell he came with his parents and like, you know, they're like, oh yeah, he's really into it, and he and he was like, he really wanted it. You could tell like he was like willing to go the distance for the drop in, but he wanted to learn. And I was like, okay, well, first off, I said try just pumping into it and like, you know, going to tail and coming back, you know, like that's part of it. But um, he was already riding. I no said, okay, problem. I said, here's what we're going to do. And, and I've seen, you know, I've learned that now like you actually, where you can hold their hands. I said, if you're comfortable with this, like we'll, we'll, we'll hold hands and, and you can just drop in. And yeah. that way, if you fall, I, I can grab, grab you, yeah. you know, and pull you up. So, but I, again, gave that same advice. You like bend at the knees. You've got to slam that spider. shit down, stomp the I fucking like spider. That. Slam it down, and I'll run with you. I just decided it's my life doing fucking podcasts. Did it. I learned something new in every podcast. Yeah. Stomp the spider. Yeah, and he fucking right. did it. And like, we, you know, within a few tries, he had it. He was stoked. And I was just like, again, it's like sharing that stoke, like watching him light up like that. And because you know how much, like, when you, you first dropped in, it was a fucking I, big thing, oh yeah, man. It is, it is. And I remember, like, the first time I dropped in on Vert, like, it was like, I, I put it in my calendar. It was like, I'm, before my 16th birthday, I think it was before my 16th birthday, I was like, I'm going to drop in. Uh, my next door neighbor was this guy Eric Bellinger. His parents lived lived next door to us. And Eric used to ride for Zorlac, and he was like an amateur for Zorlac back in the day, in the, like the early '90s. He was friends with Chrome. Uh, he was uh, he rode for Zorlac. I think he got flow from from Gullwing too, because I have a couple of his old Gullwing shirts that his mom gave me. Um, but so like I really looked up to Eric, and I really wanted him to come with me. He was supposed to be in town visiting his parents, and I wanted him to. Come, and he, you know, he, he said he would come with me to the Phillips Park for the because I wanted him to be there when I first dropped in on Vert. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, he couldn't go. But I was like, I'm still gonna fucking do it. So me and my dad went, and I remember we went straight to the back, like I padded up and everything, and I went up the ladder, and John Comer was there, and it was John Comer and this other kid, and. I went up to John. I was like, okay, John, I'm going to drop in a vert for the first time. Do you have any advice for me? He's like, nah, man, just go for it. And I was like, okay. And for some reason, I guess I felt like it would be easier from the other side of the ramp than the deck that backs up to the street course. So I went back down the stairs, went around to the back, the other side of the ramp, and there's this long staircase that goes up, and you're basically in the dark. And so you have a lot of time to think about what you're about to so do. So you get yourself scared. But I knew that. that from teaching a lot of other kids to drop in that I was like, you just got to do it because if you stand there, you're going to psych yourself you, out. You get more scared so you, by every minute yeah, you wait. Yeah, you the more, more you think more about scared, it, yeah. you'll psych yourself out. So I just went straight up and I dropped in, got to the bottom. I was like, holy shit, yeah. And then I was like, oh, fuck. And I forgot you about the other the wall other and just yeah. <laughs> hit the back of the wall. I skated with and you, then, Scott. I can see it. Then, I just yeah. pictured it. You know? And like, then I got up and like, you know, Comer's slamming his board on the, on the coping and my dad's like, they're all hooting and hollering and everything. And I was like fucking pumped. And I was like, I was like but now I got to get it clean, right? So I went back up, did it again this time, made the other wall. And, you know, I, I'm so happy that, that John was... Well, speaking you know, of Texas my, and John Comer, I remember meeting John Comer the first time I went yeah. to Texas, and I was so blown yeah. away when I saw someone do like a three-foot-out ollie, yeah. and then he fell off his board and his leg went sliding across the bottom of the ramp. I'm like, what the hell? I had no <laughs> yeah. idea he yeah, had one leg. Out, yeah. He was so good in yeah. his skating skills. I just watched him skating at first, and his guy was just ripping, and yeah. then his leg came off. I was like, Jesus yeah. Christ, that guy has one leg. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, he was amazing. And rest he in was, peace. Yeah, he was, he was a, he was a, he was a sweetheart, man. man. And like... I'm so happy again that he was present for that moment because that was such a huge moment for me. Well, uh, that's again because I wanted to be how a we all guy, tie together you know? in skateboarding. It's a big family, those meetings, yeah. those little things, the the heartfelt moments that you never forget. I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't get that in life. They don't get 
where they can yeah. come back and get a memory that's so like memorable like god i never ever yeah. forget about that i mean well like, there's i mean i think that park for me like for my formative years like it was such a had such an impact on me like one uh memory that i have that that i remember from that park where i was there one day with some friends i think it was like on a saturday or something like that and this is probably after i was able to drive so i, I would get my parents car and we'd drive over there for the afternoon we were skating and these guys came in that I, I'm pretty sure were from either West Texas or, or something. They're were, they were outside of Dallas because they weren't local. I hadn't seen them there before. So there was a few kids and they showed up and they were skating the street course and stuff with us. But one of the guys was basically burnt. Like he, his, his face was burned like all over. Like he had like burn scars yeah, all over his fire, face, all of his arms. Burned, he had been, yeah. you know, like that was probably the first time I'd seen anybody, you know, that was just burned all over their body. And, and like, it was kind of, you know, it's a little freaky, you know, a little scary. So I kind of avoided him a little bit, you know, and then at some point we just ended up skating together and talking and it was like, and he and I just like really hit it off and just had such a blast hanging out with him. And then it was this weird thing that by the end of the day, I didn't even see the scars anymore. Like I felt yeah. like you just you didn't even. It was really like like literally they just disappeared. Like it was That's such one a of weird. The saddest things about things but, like that is that it freaks people out who who become afraid to communicate with someone with with any form of disability because they're afraid. They're afraid. Like I don't know what to say. Well, and unfortunately, yeah. you're being actually more cruel to them by. By yeah. not doing well, just that. anything. So when you break I think down that those was barriers. A, is good. I think that's a really early. And then when, when you start to travel outside of the country a lot more, it's just like being able to sort of change your perspective and, and, and like, okay, not everybody comes from the same background that I do and, has, sure. and there's different cultures and everybody does different things a different way. And what might you, what, what one might perceive as like rude is, is just normal, like true, to, yeah. you know, other people. So, um, so I think that was like a really early, like sort of less life lesson that I'm just, you know, again, it's like a lot of these things that this is why that park means so much to me. That's this yeah. is why skateboarding means so and much. And this to again, me. for those of you who don't know Scott or listening, trying to remember what we're talking about, the Jeff Phillips skate park in Dallas. Right. He grew up in outside so, of Dallas. And so then like, so did you skate the Jeff Phillips park till it closed? Were so, you like, what yeah. So the... what happened was, is like in 93, I started skating it right at that tail end before Jeff committed suicide. And then um, I remember all of a sudden, like, the park was closed and we had heard that Jeff had committed suicide. And I think a little later after that, um, Rolling Stone put out an article about him and, like, his life and his, his death. And, and also Dallas Observer did an article. And I remember back in those days, like, if you had you know you go to the library this is pre-internet right yeah and i was so obsessed with skating that you like you would look for any books on skateboarding you would like i would go to the microfiche yeah remember microfiche yeah. oh yeah totally. you have to look up like old skateboarding articles like anything that was skateboarding yeah. i was looking up articles whatever i could find in the library because you're just like you know sponge so and i stumbled across the rolling stone article i remember sitting in the back of the library on this microfiche machine in the dark like like reading it and it just really moved me because I just and I, it felt made me feel even more like and I, fuck I really wish I had met him because I think that like we would have gone along really well yeah, he and was. he just seemed like such an awesome person so not too long after that um, I, I took a broadcasting class uh, when I was about 15 like I think I was a uh, sophomore in high school and in it they sat me down in front of two decks and a mixer a linear video editing system and they're like, okay, here's how you work it. And it was like something just, the light went off. Like it just, it clicked with me and I was really good at it. And I enjoyed it. And to the point where like, 
they would break us off in teams and I'd have the other team members be like, hey, dude, can you just like edit this for us? Because like, you know, you're really good with them. And then I would get in trouble with the teacher. She'd like pull me out in the hallway and be like, why are you fucking doing all this? They're supposed to be doing it. I was like, they asked me to do it. You know, yeah, so yeah. Then I was getting in trouble. So, uh, but anyway, so in this class, we, at one point we were doing these like sort of video collage things where you basically like you put a picture up on the wall and then you'd shoot it with a camera. But you could do all your in-camera effects like zooming in and stuff like that. And so you're kind of doing everything in camera instead of doing it with the editing system because then, again, everything was very primitive, uh, especially if you just had a simple linear video editing setup. So we were making these video collages. You'd set it to music. And so I had one that was all skateboarding stuff I'd gotten out of magazines or whatever. And so around that time, like, I'd read that article on Jeff, and I decided, oh, I want to go out to wrestling where he's buried. And I remember going up to his grave, and it was he was born in June, so it was... I think this was like maybe a month or so afterwards. And so when I went up to his grave, he had like some people had left little like McDonald's Happy Meal toys and stuff on, on his grave site. And Allison, his, his girlfriend, had she had put some wind chimes up in the trees. And I just remember sitting there and it just just really hit me all at once. It was like overwhelmed and kind of like started, uh, you know, tearing up. And but when I left there, I was like, I know what I want to do. Like I'd been kind of searching for a way to say thank you to him for so long for building this park and for giving me this place to go where it was like I could get away from my parents I could get away from school and all the stress and just go there and be myself and have a good time and to this day I have a lot of other creative endeavors that I have you know uh, pursued but skateboarding has always been home base for me well, no matter what's going on in my life I can just go out and ride and it's just like I don't know whether it's like sort of a Keeping that sort of stress like relief takes your connection mind to, to your place. younger yeah. self, but there's Separates some. I mean, it's like life. Daniel Gesmer says. I mean, as a lot as people would like, you know, bag on him or whatever for those pal videos, but dude, he's right. It's all about gliding, man. It's that that feeling of just getting on the board. Even if I just get on and cruise, yeah. it's just like you know, I can even have a shitty day of skating, and it's still just everything. Well, I tell people the reason I still skate decent at sixty years old and so on and so forth is that I only focus. On the motion, yeah. That's what I skateboard for. Yeah. If I'm if I'm doing especially well or feel like it, I might start throwing some tricks or like that. But yeah. even I, I basically I, I carve and I grind. Those are the tricks I claim truly. Uh -huh. I always joke and say I carve, I grind, I yeah. giggle like a little girl. My three tricks because the motion is all in the carve. Yeah. I've learned to grind pretty fast car yeah. while carving. How's that? Some rather yeah. than I don't stop and do digger dig in grinds. I grind really fast and carve really fast. And as long as I have that, anything yeah. that happens to come past that is just a little bit of a bonus. Yeah. But I go out there knowing that, that that's all I do. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have an amazing session. Yeah. So while you're putting the terminology in, it's great that Daniel would use that. Gliding, you're right, it's gliding. I just always call it motion. Well, you know what I mean? But the, it's movement. It's, it's yeah. the, um, rhythm or flow. Yeah. It's fl flow is, is, I guess, how I, what I'm thinking in my head. But I just say motion. It's moving. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the, your body, the, the flow glide yeah. rhythm however you put it yeah. that comes along with it that is skateboarding everything else is additional to that right yeah. spinning your board flipping your board grabbing yeah. your board that's all great yeah. but it's not necessarily what makes it fun it just makes yeah. it adds a challenge the fun is all in the feeling yeah. to me again different yeah. people see it different different people stand on their skateboard could flip it around all day long and don't even ride it yeah. i always thought playing with your skateboard you know what i mean i i personally like to ride it and yeah. riding involves motion just like if i ride my bike i like to go fast i like to go my like turning i don't like yeah. just going straight i mean i like going fast and and moving yeah so um, go fast and scare yourself yeah so skateboarding well, and that's is... awesome to hear the way you say that because what what 
this is again why I like talking to different people who do different things in skateboarding. I mean, we we only started getting there. We diverted on. You started editing. Found oh, yeah. out you were Sorry. a good editor. Scott is an editor. Scott edits yeah. television shows, uh, movies. You know things. He's a Hollywood editor. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, and he found that uh, calling back then at school and and applied it to skateboarding. But skateboarding gave you something to to edit too. Well, so no. So what happened was is that so I I left Jeff's graveside and I was like I know what I want to do to say thank you for building this park and changing my life on yeah. so many levels and like giving me this sort of like safe space or whatever to like be myself express myself and I left there I knew I was like okay I want to make like this like video collage and I'll, I'll send it to all his friends and family at that time we were about to move up to my, my dad got a job up in Northern Virginia like DC area so we moved up there and my uh, uncle he uh, had a company in Gaithersburg Maryland called M Squared and they were um, they basically did like like translations for say like corporate industrial videos or whatever so you'd have like you see all the subtitles and they would do the subtitles in multiple languages or whatever so they were a company that, that did that so they had a lot of clients that were either like federal agencies or it was like Kodak or American Airlines or whatever okay so I took basically like a year to like short film about his life and I was like okay so I took basically like a year to like short film about his life and I was like okay so I took basically like a year to like film about his life and I was like okay so I took basically like a year to like film about his life and I was like okay so I took basically like a year to like I about his life and I was like okay so I took basically like a year to like I would about his life and I was like okay so I took basically like a year to like I would go around to old uh, mom and pop video stores and be like, hey, do you guys have any like skate videos, skateboard videos that you want to like, you know, sell or whatever? One guy like had a whole box in the basement. He's like, yeah, you can fucking 50 bucks. So I, I was collecting all the skate videos and then I also wrote every company he ever wrote for. And some of these like Zora, like I didn't know had changed hands or whatever, but I, any, anyone, I could get the address, the current address, I would write them and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Is there any way, do you have any video footage or anything I can get a hold of? Back then, you could still order back issues from like Thrasher and Transworld. So I had already gotten together with before I left with Dan Wilkes, and he we went to Kinkos, and he like basically brought those old Transworlds and Thrashers, and we just went in and, and photocopy all this stuff. But then I also tried to contact the magazines and try to get the actual like magazines and stuff that we we, we could copy them from, and um, it took about a year to. Um, Get to, to get all that stuff and and actually most people didn't write me back what what was super cool is that I had written Santa Cruz because Jeff used to write for Speedwells and Jeff Kindle wrote me back and he ran off a copy of Speed Freaks and sent it to me and I felt really bad because when they did the credits I wasn't around and they spelled his name wrong so oh. in the credits still to this day it's, it's Jeff it's K-E-N-E-A-L-L -L instead Kendall. of instead, yeah, yeah. Kenniel or whatever instead yeah. of Kendall uh, so, and I think I might have met him when you took me to one of those pool parties, and I probably said to him, "Hey, I want to apologize." Yeah, for that. Well, that's good. <laughs> but the guy was super fucking cool and well, like helped me dude. out. Yeah. So like, um, so anyway, so it took a year to just like gather all this stuff up, and then, and so yeah, it took about a year to make the video. Uh, and I think at, at by the end, I was probably pushing it with my uncle, where I think he was like, "All right, let's wrap it up. I got stuff to, do. you know, like." Yeah. So we went in. I recorded all the 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 narration um we actually went to silver spring skate park in maryland and 
shot a little intro which is still like super cringy for me and like like embarrassing the wall like it's hard for me to watch i'm just like oh god like i look so fucking nerdy but basically uh you know so we put together this video and i just narrated and like told the story of his life and we put like whatever pictures and video i had at that time we put to how come it. i've never seen this so this is what i yeah. learned by doing my own podcast scott and i met talking about doing a jeff phillips documentary of sort well, he'd already done one clearly well no but i, I mean, didn't know we were about talking it. about oh, the texas your... skateboarding history well texas skateboarding so... history all right but i guess yeah. a lot of it tied to jeff phillips i remember because yeah. you start i remember you growing up there but yeah. i mean i never knew you did that with jeff that uh, was my first our... film and like know, it was crazy because you know... there were certain things in it where i think having watched so much television so many movies at that point there was this moment where it was you know we we're like going to talk about okay jeff kill himself and commit yeah, suicide. Yeah, that's a hard and, thing people don't like to talk about. And I was about. like, I said, I want you to just fade down to black right here and then come back up. And it was like, every time I watch it, it fucks me up. It was like, I was like, but it was also one of those things where you just instinctively knew there was something again, like I just, there was something about it where I was like, um, you know, I, I, we ended up sending that video around to his friends and family. I think at first it was hard to get a hold of Kathy, his sister. Yeah. And they said, you're going to probably want to send this to Kathy first. And then if she feels like, because things are still pretty raw, like yeah. if she wants to show yeah. it to the to the parents, then she can do that. Yeah. And um, so eventually we did send it to her, and she called me up and it got kind of emotional. And she was like, you know, thank you for doing this. It was really sweet of you. And we ended up meeting later on, and and like um, and and uh, when I was back in in Dallas and and having uh, lunch and whatnot. But so and then some people like I'd sent it to. Uh, I think it was Dana Buck. Um, and he, I guess, tried to show it to a bunch of uh, some of Jeff's other friends in Dallas, and it was kind of a weird thing because you know that's it's such a hard subject, the suicide, and and yeah. I think there's a lot of people that were going like Dana really was like I want to organize a showing in Dallas, like a uh, like a, a screening, and I think he asked a lot of his friends, would you come out and watch this? And they were like, No, I couldn't watch that, man. And like, what's this guy's yeah. deal? And they thought I was like. Had which is trying general, to like, like capitalize off. Oh it, yeah, like, and I was yeah, just yeah. like nothing. I'm just you know I was just I'm a fan. Like he's my hero, and I wanted to you know this is it was the first time that I felt like here's something that I'm good at, and this way this means that I can express myself and that I could touch other people's lives. Mm -hmm. You know, it was that first taste of like maybe this is something I'm meant to do. Yeah. And well, they were misreading it as someone's trying. Right. To, of course. Trying which to I make get a that. movie and capitalize so, off of and profit off. Yeah. And then and like, once I got into college, I ended up uh, becoming friends with Helen Stickler, who did Andre the Giant has a posse, and she was organizing these two skate film festivals down in Texas. And she said, "I want to show your video." I don't remember. Like, didn't she? Didn't she also do the Gator movie? Yeah. The okay. Stokes. Yeah. I'm still. I'm still Sorry, blown away. Yeah. I didn't get interviewed for that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I hung out with him like right around when all that happened. I could vision it was weird. I you mean, should I have him like, on the podcast. Um, no, <laughs> yeah. scared. Well, I hate like, you, you kind of missed yeah. that one. Yeah, so um, like but, uh, somehow we had become friends. She said, "I want to show this," and I said, "Okay, but I don't like." There was some a, a moment where she she sent me a check, and I said, "What's this for?" I, I didn't want any money. Yeah, from not this. Try, like, well, I'm not trying. to no, sell no, no. it to you. And I was like, so then I had this moral quandary where I was like, I don't want money from this. She goes, well, just think of it as like it's covering your expenses. You had to mail it to me and blah blah blah. And I go, yeah, no. I was like, I don't feel comfortable with this. I didn't do this, make this film to like make money off of it or whatever. And so I tried to send it to Kathy or something, and and like you know maybe she can take the kids out to eat or whatever. That's what Jeff would have wanted or whatever. And she got kind of upset with me and I was like you know and I just try to explain the situation with her I was like look I didn't mean to make money off this like she just sent me this check and and you know I think Jeff would wanted you guys to have this so I like 
we, we ended up kind of smoothing things over. Well, I, I know you well enough, was, and I know, and I, I yeah. get how you are as a person, but unfortunately, with the yeah. Hollywood style of doing things, uh, I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, you always worry that there's always someone who tries to jump in and make profit off of. Well, so, but, but sense, then you know. a couple, like a year or so later, it was this team from Hollywood contacted me and they said, you know, they had basically produced like some Backstreet Boys, like music video or, or, yeah. you know, or like concert or something like that, concert video, and said, hey, we want to, you know, like when I looked them up on IMDb, that's the only experience yeah. they really had or whatever, yeah. big, big, like credits. But they're like, you know, we're really interested. We read the Running Stone article, and we're really interested in doing this, you know, film about his life. And we, I guess, they had heard about the film festivals or whatever. So they're like, you know, would you like be willing to help us or put us in touch with the family stuff? So I said, if you get permission from his family, I will help you. Otherwise, I don't want anything to do with this. And I said, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. And I said, you know, you have to understand that this is like a really sensitive thing for a lot of his friends and family, obviously, and like. So you're going to have a really tough time with this. So good luck. And like, I never heard from them again. Yeah. Well, because they, I mean, again, a lot of people, that's all they're doing. Yeah, if you're just going to come a, in here and exploit this. It's a subject like, matter you, for you know? exploitation. Like, and, I mean, Jeff was, and we'll talk about Jeff, Jeff was a sweet man. I obviously skated with him a lot um, for many years. Uh, I actually saw some of what I assume was depression building in him. I would see him at trade shows. Right. Sweet, sweetheart that he was would come up and, and again, um, would have conversations with him like how you doing like oh, I'm doing all right it's kind of tough I have this skate park I put my heart and soul into it um, the whole street culture and skateboarding was basically saying what he did as far as the style was yeah. lame yeah and the only thing good was to you know flip yeah. the board downstairs or like that and and he'd say yeah I show kids how to do tricks on the mini ramp and then they kind of just laugh at me and they go off the street course and flip their board around and bail for hours yeah. on end and and it was really it was getting to him you know what yeah. I mean so uh, I think going from probably being a superstar everywhere he went you know what I mean to nobody caring at all because you're not a street skater yeah and 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 having given your whole heart back into building a skate park and and then having the kids not really respected at that particular time I mean the yeah. culture was changing uh, and then obviously uh, that was weighing on him and then personal personal stuff that was obviously sure. you know, going on too uh, it was in, in hindsight I was like wow that was just it really saddened me because uh, I felt like um, real life and the, the realities of, uh, and again, I don't really ever know if there's any diagnosis of depression or that, but the idea of depressing things happening to people, whether sure. it's considered depression or not. Um, and, uh, but to me, skateboarding was, was, was equally part of what killed him. You know what I mean? His suicide was driven by, by his love for skateboarding and obviously the damage it did to him emotionally as it undermined him. Well, I you think know, that's what I felt. I felt yeah. this before he even killed him. This is it's, 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 it's eating him. I watched that with a lot of yeah. 80s skaters. Oh, yeah. As the 90s took over. A lot I watched of them. guys, yeah. Um, Gator very much plays into Gator's yeah. story as well. Why I skated There's a Gator lot of a lot. guys that we either um, lost them to drugs, we yeah. lost them to suicide, we yeah. lost them to the mental, The mental anguish that took place on a guy Be that you paid yeah, hundreds well, of thousands of dollars a year yeah. and then pulled the rug out from under their foot and told them they yeah. were worth nothing. Well, and uh, if you didn't have a strong support group around you, like a lot of people didn't a lot of kids they're, they're kids they didn't know how to handle that no and the know? skateboard industry was and never what do very I do good now? you yeah. know you feel like your life is over because that's all you cared about and and now being you know almost 43 like looking back even when I, where I was at like emotionally and uh, maturity wise around 30 you know yeah I could see how you'd struggle with that because it's like it's kind of like that high school quarterback thing where it's like you were hot shit and now you're, you're not well, you're we, not we, hot st shit we still have a lot of 40 year old skateboarders who are wondering why they're not being taken care of 
Sure. Because yeah. no one ever told them, "Are you kidding? You're yeah. just a, you're just a marketing tool. You're yeah. you're you you're good at doing something, and you're you're a marketing tool either for yourself or a brand or whatever for whatever time you have value. There's always a new group coming up right behind you. I would always tell my team guys, it's a short-lived thing. Don't ever think you're going to live your whole life on skateboarding. A handful of people will, yeah. but so on and so forth. But in that generation, they were blowing so much smoke up everyone's ass that you yeah. were, you were king of the world. Yeah. Uh, and then when you know, a new trend came along, which was, hey, it's all about street now. You know, yeah. you guys mean nothing. Uh, they were yeah, just like blown away. Yeah. It was like saying, you know what I mean? Hey, I yeah. played concert stadiums and now they just locked the door on me and I can't even go in yeah. and watch the new generation. That's kind of the way it was. Well, yeah, um, you've seen it in music too. But yeah. I think now that there's been enough of the, those generations and, every, and those stories that like now I think you're seeing in skateboarding, you're seeing, you know, like that you've got those examples to. to you do have those examples, from. but still, yeah. even in the last 10 years, I don't even mention names with that, but you've had skateboarders kill people pro skateboarders you've had um crazed drug induced screaming on roofs on national tv okay yeah. most skateboarders uh because there's a lot of uh emotional distress that comes with this um super stardom with no guidance yeah you know uh, and yeah. the only guidance was with by the people that were using you for the superstardom. Yeah. and then when they toss you out these guys are yeah. left all to themselves and they're bros and I, I still see a lot of guys literally in their 40s thinking skateboarding should be taking care of them it's like well, well yeah. no you need to be taking care of yourself and yeah. the skateboarding window came and went you know yeah. and uh so yeah it's um i remember ta like talking to adrian we inter interviewed adrian domain for that uh for the doc and that was just a really amazing conversation like him and i we went for like four hours well, and Adrian's an he was like he being. goes you know thank you for for doing this because you know this is the first time I've really talked to somebody about a lot of this stuff that was going on and why I kind of like took a step back and left skateboarding and like, um, you know, what, what was kind of going on at that, at that time period. And like, it was for a lot of the work guys, it's super rough, man. Cause everybody just got kind of tossed aside and a lot of them didn't weather it through. And again, like when you have people that came from broken homes and stuff, and then you don't have that support group, you know, you didn't have Stacy Prowse being like, uh, you know, giving you guidance or whatever, then it's like, yeah, like a lot of those guys didn't know how to handle it. And like, what am I supposed to do now? And, yeah. you know, again, it's like everybody dealt with it in different ways and some people didn't make it out, you know? Yeah, and it's really, no, I it's completely really sad agree. and unfortunate. I, I feel very fortunate to have never, first thing, never have lived off skateboarding. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and that's probably why I never, I might have been able to make top 10 if I really pushed myself in practice. I never tried. It was mm -hmm. like, like, no, I just skate a couple times a week for fun. I show up for these contests. I'm good enough to be sponsored. How lucky is it I get that I even get to go out sure. there and let Tony Hawk beat me? But being yeah. like, I wasn't going to go skate seven days a week for five hours a day. I, mean, I had so much going on in my life. Yeah. Um, but because I had so much going on in my life, I got married, bought a house. I did. I started yeah. working in the skate culture like that. Um, but I didn't live off skateboarding. Me being a pro skateboarder never really made me yeah. like a living right. or made me anything I was ever going to count on. Right. I called it, it was to me, it was a bonus money. It's what I bought toys with. I bought sure. my tools. I bought my yeah. new things like that. It's like, yeah. well, I got a royalty check. How cool is this? Um, but yeah, I feel very fortunate that I never um, yeah. got caught in that. I only skateboard. I don't work kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and if anything, I could say all these years of being around skateboarding, uh, most of the guys I did grow up with that even ended up starting companies, most of them stopped mm -hmm. skateboarding. You know, or very rarely skateboard, and I never did. Yeah. Uh, and yet, I never tried to keep up like I'm a yeah. pro. I mean, I just tried to enjoy it. So I feel very fortunate yeah. that I still love skateboarding. Well, I think it's because a lot of people lost you, their love. They got you're tainted. able to put it into perspective. Like that's why I said it's like it's hard for me to walk away because 
it's always been there for me and and more so the music and other things like it's always home base it's always square one and so well i never like, let my love for it go away it's all yeah exactly I, I didn't so let it's, that take it's that. always been really hard for me to i can't just ever step away because once it's in your blood it's there and if you don't ride you don't understand i don't know how to explain it to you i don't know how to explain it to people who don't ride like now i just treat it like you know like i was telling you i just i treat it like you know go to a skate park like once a week like Sunday afternoons when, when uh, you know, it's kind of died down. All the kids are gone for the most part. And I just treat it like the gym. It's like I go in, I get my tricks in, and I'm happy. You know? Well, I think the bottom line is what you really learn. And, you know, I've been skateboarding for 50 years. You know. And the thing I've learned from anything is, like, you have to get out of skateboarding what you want out of skateboarding. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, 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 if it, and at different times in your life, it's all socialization, right? You're a young kid. It's just about the friends. Where Then there's times it's about the escape. It's about the, I just need to be in a world yeah. where I don't think about the real world around that. Well, but it's and like other times it's brotherhood about, you yeah, know, it's challenging sure. yourself against your friends. But I mean, but ultimately wherever you're at in life at the time, whether you're 18 or you're 49, skateboarding needs to be just what, how, yeah. whatever it, you need it to be. Well, but when you you're know? younger, it's so easy to get caught up and like, I want to be sponsored. Oh, and yeah, you get totally. older and you're like, I'm not looking to be king of the skate park anymore. Let the yeah. kids have their glory. You know, yeah. great. You know, I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to be the old guy in the park, and I love it. I love being the old guy in the park. I'm fine with it, man. Like, no, I know. It's like I find I find that such a you know such a misguided thing, fueled by the skateboard industry. I mean, the skateboard industry fuels that hype of being sponsored as being everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's been such a long point when I think people thought, but I'm good. I should be sponsored, and, and sure. it was so yeah. It was so far off the the path of just the realities. What does sponsorship mean? I mean, no one sponsors a guy because he drives a car good. They yeah. sponsor him if he can win races sure. and and yeah. help sell their product yeah. or brand. And skateboarders somehow through the whole, you know, hey, we're a big brotherhood, but we're not. We're here to get your money. And once you know, I mean, we're we're sold the idea that well, everyone should be sponsored if you're good. It's like yeah. well, no, like you yeah. know, I great I eat hamburgers good, and Carl's Jr. doesn't give me free hamburgers because I eat yeah. good. You know, like. If well, I'm a but there's celebrity also a lot of, well, there's a lot of stuff in the '80s, like where you know, like with a soy or a gator, that were like there was a lot of the personality that you could sell the personality, and because of that, everything was so ad-driven. A lot because there wasn't really skate videos yet. Well, now it, it's kind of know, lost. It was like it was kind of like few and far between kind of thing. I mean, but so where are we now? It's a good question because then then you got skate videos, right? And then skate videos not only um, changed. It used to be okay. The '80s was like. Okay, do they have a good look to them, sure. right? Because you yeah. can take a still pictures of them. They right. have style, skateboarding. Are they doing well in competition? Will a picture of them actually look good and have someone want to buy that T-shirt? I mean, let's face it. If you're ugly or have no style or, or look like a total dork, no yeah. one wants a picture of you wearing their clothes, right? So that yeah. was all with the focus in the 80s, like how you looked and vibed and, yeah. and skated. You, okay, you had to compete. Then when you started making videos, it became about no. How do, you, how, how do you look with your video part? Yeah. Well, then you pushed a generation who we never really truly knew who the best skateboarders were because we never watched them skate together. Yeah. We, we made them just go out and make their own video parts. So we saw the best video parts. Yeah. So we have a whole group of generation of legends based on video parts, right. which to me, I hardly give credibility to because the videos were good, but I sometimes know there's much better were skaters than them. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, but they didn't life. become a legend because they didn't have the right video crew or affiliated with the right company and so on and so forth. Yeah. But then, but even you take that, okay, so let's say that that whole 90s into 2000s uh, street crew, it's a little skewed. It's probably pretty accurate, but a little skewed as far as who's real, who really is the best and not. But then, then it went to the next generation where now you've got Instagram, YouTube, and you've just got so many kids pushing it yeah. so far, the bar's so high. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And again, you not only don't know how well they can hold their ground in a real competition thing yeah. as far as one-on-one, so you don't know who's the really the most consistent skater. You also have such a high bar and such high level and so many people doing it. Yeah, your your ability, to even, your ability to even yeah. stand out is so small. Yeah. So what makes someone sellable to a company? Right. Because even if, okay, they have 200,000 you know, followers, well, there's hundreds of guys that have 200,000 followers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. which ones are actually impacting and helping someone sell something? Right. And what does that really you know, do for skateboarding? So it's, I think it's a, it's a really challenging time to even try to use pro skateboarders as your marketing tool for your brand of clothes where like, and know which ones really do it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of guys that are getting paid that aren't doing anything for their sponsors. There's yeah. guys I see that are clinging on from 10 years ago sure. and they're still with big clothing and drink guys and all that because they're just part of this crew. Can, I, I don't think they're selling yeah. anything to a kid. You know? yeah. And then there's a young kid who might be twice as good as them who's maybe growing their following or that, but they're not really they're not getting enough notoriety because yeah. there's so many people overshadowing them or so many people on the same level with them. Um, they wouldn't help if the old guys left the new kid came in. They still wouldn't help the company sell right. any more product. Yeah. It's just more or less the affiliation with skateboarding as an activity. Um, so it's a, it's a weird time when it comes to sponsorship and all that now. But, uh, yeah. but again, when you grow up and realize that sponsorship isn't really what the best part of skateboarding is. I mean, I, there's definitely a point where, I mean, you just you saw your friends sort of passing you by and getting sponsored and whatnot and it was just like such a fucking awful feeling of like just watching everybody move forward and you're stuck behind and like you just weren't getting it and I just yeah. realized I'm not going to be that guy like for whatever reason there's certain things where I just don't get it and I that's why I can't get certain tricks or do this thing or whatever I don't have that sort of you know fearlessness or this or that on certain levels and you're like or your body just, just feels it different it's whatever it was it was just like i just like very early on realized okay this is not you know like i'm not going to make a living off this or whatever and then when yeah. i got into college i kind of went in under like rtvf which is like radio television film like so i i had looked at uh vcu virginia commonwealth university i looked at virginia tech because we were living in northern virginia at the time um both of them had a communications program but the reason why I went with Virginia Tech is because they had a, a mass communications program and a public communications. So, uh, and, and VC only had a public communications. So public would be like a news anchor, like you're yeah, in front of the yeah. camera, PR, whatever. And then mass was like more of the behind the scenes stuff. And I knew I wasn't, qu I hadn't quite narrowed it down to filmmaking, but I knew I wanted to go in that direction of doing something creative for a living, you know, that involved radio, television, film. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after like the first two years, I, I completed my core curriculum. And then the last two years, by that point, I kind of narrowed things down and said, okay, I'm pretty sure I want to go into filmmaking or I thought for a moment that I wanted to be like a skate you know, yeah. filmer, you know, and do skate videos. And um, I remember uh, at the time trying to reach out to like 411, all these other video magazines, like, um, and, and ask them like, how do I do this or whatever. And I remember actually talking to, to Dennis Martin at Dirt on the phone because he was doing digital and he said, look, I'm going to be honest with you, man. He's like, you know, a lot of these guys, they're making a living off this, which first off is really difficult to do. Very, he said, I do this. He goes, I do very this. small yeah. group. He goes, I do digital all by myself. And he's like, um, he said, the only reason you're going to like, the way you can be a filmer is you've got to know good skaters. Like you have to go. And I, we, I think there was somebody that when we stayed with those guys in Kansas city, uh, there's one guy who's like, oh yeah, my friend films for some of these guys that are sponsored by DC or whatever. Yeah. They were local. But, and he eventually went out to California and was like filming and submitting yeah. his footage to the magazines. But I, I started to, Dirt kind of was like, here's the, 
you know, here's what's going on. Here's well, how, dirt how it was works a good out name. here. Basically. He was giving you the real dirt. I don't know. Or on, he was just uh, trying to discourage me because he's like, I don't need any fucking competition. But, you know. Well, uh, but at the same point, honestly, he was being no, honest because. No, he's, he's I, you know, we, we interviewed him for that, that Texas More State people fail trying to get there than, yeah. than get there because. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. So what happens is someone who's telling you that in my viewpoint is they're helping you because. Yes, oh, you can him, make yeah, it. Sure. I've helped a lot of photographers frame yeah. like, you know, they'll give me photos because they know I'm going to help give them credibility if I posted it on my Instagram page or whatever for my wheel brand or whatever and then they yeah. would uh, that would help and it did. It helped them get yeah. connected to other brands which eventually helped them get a higher level of skateboarding yeah. now to where now Tony Hawk calls me if he's having a you know what I mean like yeah. that kind of stuff. That's good, but even some of those guys who then become very well known still struggling. They only have one oh, or yeah. two of those people that'll ever write yeah. a check for anything. Yeah. Well, I finally sold a photo to Vans. I mean, some of the big companies yeah. actually have a budget and can pay for it. Yeah. But there's always a hundred young, passionate kids because skateboarding is such a youthful yeah. driven thing that are really talented. They're in the talented part of their life and, and they're out there filming for nothing. Yeah. Uh, and let's face it, because we're not making videos and selling tens of thousands of them, yeah. which gives people money. Like I used to pay people to edit videos for me at Acme. Yeah. Now I couldn't even imagine you have to be such a huge company to afford to pay someone to yeah. edit you a video because you, your return on it is so low. Yeah. You have to be editing constantly and, yeah. and putting out constantly. So yeah, I just think the reality is the the, the number, not to mention how much stuff gets done on an iPhone that nobody's, uh, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, well this was like early 2000s and like. Oh, hang on, we got, we're, we're, having, phone, we're having a phone call uh, hey Hunter. Hunter. Say hi to Scott. Hey bud. Scott, what's happening? We're doing we're doing a podcast right now, we're so doing. you're on our podcast. Your dad wrote me into what's a podcast. Up? What's up, listeners? What's up, listeners? That's my son Hunter, uh, and he's friends with Scott. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, because we're both film nerds. We're film nerds. Yes, they are both very much film nerds. Mm -hmm. So uh, so we we do need to finish up here, but uh, are you done for the day? All right, I will. I'll call you when Scott and I finish up here. But I was going to take a picture of us and send it to you because we just had lunch and stuff together. So yeah, awesome. All right, podcasters. Okay, well, you know, I'm going to actually. I'm going to. This podcast won't come out for a while, so I'm going to say we have a, Hunter has some big exciting stuff going on this weekend. So um, we'll leave it at that. Uh, and uh, so we have some good stuff to talk about. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right. Say bye, listeners. Later. Later. <laughs> um. uh, Always comes with my uh, podcast is interruption phone calls. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. So, so yeah. So, um, my my son Hunter and Scott are bonded uh, in film nerd land. Yeah. Um, fuck, what were we talking about? How we were talking about photographers and filmers. And oh, so I, you know, and... I I ended up talking to to Dirt, and he was like, he was like, I'm gonna keep it real with you. Here's here's the here's kind of the landscape. He's like, most of the guys that are doing making a living off this. They're basically, it's because they go around, they shoot a bunch of pros and they submit their footage to these video magazines. The video magazines pay them if they use their footage. And he's like, but it definitely seems like a very small kind of group of people that, so he's like, unless you have like, you know, pros that you're shooting with and you have all the equipment and all this stuff. And he's like, I, you know, he's like, I can't even afford to employ anybody. He's like, so I don't know what to, to tell you. So it kind of became pretty clear that I was like, I'm probably not going to make a living off this. So I kind of just started, you know, focusing in on filmmaking and at that time, like they had a filmmaking program, but the guy who developed their negative had moved away. So they stopped shooting on film and they kind of had transferred to video, but they had like, they had built some edit bays and they had, you know, would rent out cameras and stuff. So basically spent the last two years building my reel because I knew a reel and a resume would be more helpful than, uh, you know, a degree. 
So I spent the last two years just like, you know, making videos and, and working for, uh, there was a, a department on, on campus that handled a bunch of their like promotional, like video, promotional videos and stuff like you would watch on the big screens during like football games and stuff like that. And the guy who ran it was also our, our film professor. So I ended up interning with him and basically again, just trying to build this resume and then uh, went back home to Dallas for a year, saved up money. And then July, 2003, I moved out to LA and didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. Like, so tell, so <laughs> let's tell, tell people some of the stuff you've worked on. Uh, you've worked on the Goldbergs. So, so yeah. So like set, I, uh, I came out here and moved in with these two guys and, uh, one of them had kind of done grip work and stuff like that on set. So he said, oh, you should go to these websites and they have like listings of all the post houses and just call them and to ask them if they need a runner or something. So I did. I'd call like 200 places, ask them if they needed a PA. And out of like 200 places, I'd have maybe 80 places to say, send me your resume. And out of those, I got like, get like one job. So I ended up getting like jobs with post houses for like this first six months. And then there was a guy that I knew the big boys website I run I started my like freshman year I think of, of college um, big boys were my favorite band and I started a website called soundonsound.org and it's just it's a big basically a huge archive of, of big boys ephemera anyways there was one guy Michael that I met through that website uh, that was originally part of the LA scene and he had two brothers that worked one worked for ESPN and one worked on Amazing Race and he said, you should hit them up if you're going out to L.A. So I would basically email those guys once a month. And his brother, Eric, was so impressed with my persistence that he said, I'll give you a shot. And he brought me on to Amazing Stories. I mean, sorry, Amazing Race. I've done a lot of amazing shows. Yeah, I've amazing also worked on Amazing later. Stories. Yeah. So he brought me on Amazing Race. And, uh, you know, I and that started kind of a run where I, I did um, reality shows for a few years and uh, then kind of started moving into like indie like low budget indie films and stuff and it, there was basically at that point in the, the industry like there wasn't streaming yet and like it's really hard to get into like scripted television or film or like there wasn't like an apprentice editor position anymore and like so it was like me just trying anything I could to figure out you know how to get in the door and get to where I wanted to be and so it was a lot of like trial and error and it was there was a point where I never knew like you had to be really good with your money. You had to keep a low overhead and you had to like basically pad yourself because you never knew where the next job was going to come from because you're freelance. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'd be on a job for a week or two. Sometimes I'd be on it for seven months. And so I kind of was like just hopping around from, from thing to thing. And then finally was able to get on uh, Chuck uh, on NBC, which that was my first scripted television show. Yeah, Chuck was interesting. That was that was one based in the uh, the electronics store, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was funny. And then, uh, so I did all five seasons of that, and then um, did first season in Nashville, then Goldbergs, then. See, I forget. Mad too, Dogs. I, I, doing I can't stuff. even remember half the stuff I was on. Yeah. It's like I, you know, but they were like, major shows. Nashville was a major show. Yeah, the Goldbergs was a yeah. major show. I remember going yeah. on a set with you and Hunter, my nerd film nerd child, was all yeah. excited because we yeah. got to take pictures of him standing yeah. on the Goldberg set. Yeah, um, and walk around the studio. And it's fun. Know. It's fun working on the lot, man. It's never, yeah, it was I never, cool. I never, I, it never got old for me. It was always kind of like. You never knew what you're going to see every day, and you could just wander on. I remember wandering on the set one time. I was leaving work when I was working at Sony a lot. I was leaving, and uh, we walked by the set. Uh, they had um, a, a scene with the submarine in one of the Coen Brothers movies. Uh, it's one of the, uh, I'm trying to I'm blanking on the name of it right now. Hail Caesar, I think. And they had filled up because a lot of these these um, stages you can 
they some of them drop down the yeah, floors. Yeah, I've seen them. The floors they angle pull down, out. They fill up with yeah, water. Yeah, you yeah. can you can pull out the floors and they actually drop down. Yeah. And they filled it up with water, and they had this submarine sitting. And I was like, "That's so fucking rad!" Like yeah. people built this shit. People, I know. Man, it was so, well, when I was there, I saw they were about to film that uh, yeah. one of the shows about the old Hollywood era swimming when they used to do the swimming shows. Yeah, and I remember that the pool was full, and we walked yeah. through there, and there was a pool all full, ready for that. And they filmed that later. That was pretty. Crazy. Yeah, that's that. It's, uh, so it's always Hollywood like, sets just, are pretty amazing know, things. They're yeah, pretty crazy. It's uh, it it trips you out sometimes. Some of the stuff you would see, and so I always like, and and especially like Warner Brothers, we would film a lot of stuff. They had back lots and stuff so you, you have these outdoor sets you know so um, you never knew where they're gonna be filming and what they were gonna be doing and you'd always see what people walking around in costumes and it's always like like every day is Halloween basically so well uh, see I'm glad for you that you found your way to that and you're still a skateboarder yeah see, so you didn't let skateboarding suck you in and spit you out as a lot of people have yeah. and believe me I think you know it's right for some people it's not right for others but I mean you know, you've got to you know be in the real Hollywood and and see and learn the goods and bads of that because that has yeah. its own. I've listened to you talk about the, the the fun shit that goes down there. As it, I think it takes place in every industry. Yeah. You know the internal crap. The you know, uh, I mean, I'm sure that one, probably one of the biggest challenges is the fact that you're always a freelancer, right? So you never know how long. It well, would that's get. Like one season, two seasons, yeah. or it might not even last a season, and you're yeah got to find something I mean, new. So. It got easier as the years went on and you build more of a network, but that never goes away. That feeling like when you, when I was coming yeah. up of like, you never knew where the next job was coming from. Yeah. If I don't have another job lined up, I'm going to be saving my money and trying to pad myself because you never know when the bomb's going to fall out. Like there was a three month period where I couldn't find anything. And I, I was talking to other friends and like, they weren't able to find anything. I was like, this is so weird. It's such a weird dry spell. And when it shouldn't have, because the streaming was going at that point, you know, it was, there was, you know, streaming shows that were being made, so it wasn't like, yeah. you know, I finally was able to get on to, I hooked up with this editor, and the gig was I would finish up the tick with him, I was replacing a friend of mine, and then we would go on to Amazing Stories, and I would do Amazing Stories with him. Yeah. Um, and I figured, oh, well, Amazing, Amazing Stories was Apple, Apple TV, Yeah, right? so I was like, well, Amazing Stories will probably be done by, like, March, so I'm like, then I'll just, you know, go out and try to look for, you know, something else, and, like... And then that show ended up going on for like a year, man. And then I hopped off of that, and I think I did like a, week, a couple weeks on Yellowstone, and then um, got on to uh, LA's Finest and was on that for, it finished out a season uh, with an editor that needed help on that show because she lost an assistant. The assistant just ghosted her, just walked out one day and never Oh, came really? Out. Funny. Yeah, and so she's like, we really need someone strong that can come in and like, do the job and so I said alright if you give me a coding credit I'll do it and so they ran it up the flagpole and they're like yeah we can get you a coding credit on the finale so like great so I went in and did that show and, and I thought you know uh, yeah, so I really think you have to build your resume you well have I to was like I help, thought maybe like, that would lead to me getting bumped up maybe I could go on to the next season if one of the others editors didn't come back and then they canceled that series and uh, and then the pandemic hit and I was out of work for like eight months and yeah. because I had padded myself and saved a lot of money I was able to weather through it yeah. Um, but it was just like I just you like slowly watch your checking account just yeah end up, that you know have been like brutal. and then I got hooked up with uh, Eric Newman you know the guy who created Narcos and did True Story and we just finished Painkiller so and then uh, not really sure what's next after this but you know well do you have any advice for the skateboarders of the world who are out chasing advice their passions uh, oh wow put me on the spot um, ah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Just don't keep know. skateboarding. That's what I'd say. Yeah. I, I would say to anybody, my advice to anybody is ride skateboards for fun and let life happen. 
Right. You know, uh, yeah. and uh, if, if skateboarding is part of that, that's great. Uh, and, and if skateboarding is just something you do on the side of whatever else happens in your life, that's great too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Skateboarding, you can't ever take the joy of skateboarding away from someone if they let themselves enjoy it for the yeah. right thing. Motion. Yeah. Gliding. Well, I think there's a lot flow. of, and I see a lot of parallels with like, like that's, there's a lot of crossover. So, you know, I think I developed a lot of my rhythm through playing music and skateboarding like my sense of rhythm and timing with editing I think you know again because early on I was editing skate videos too like there's a lot of stuff that I picked up through okay so know. after years in Hollywood and and obviously uh, editing a lot of stuff being on sets here and there um, uh, who is more important to you pro skateboarders or Hollywood actors skaters for sure I think that, that's uh, that was kind of a loaded question because I think that's how skaters people don't realize that they, they that I'd be I'm I'm still more yeah, intrigued by even skaters I know that I've known for a long time that are just so good at skateboarding and you know than I would overseeing a movie star or whatever like that I'd go oh, Tony Hawk's over well, there and yeah. someone's over there I go oh hey hey dude who gets chased around all day long hey Tony what's happening well, like, what's weird know, is like, like I never I would never like I've skated I would skate with pros and stuff and I just I didn't really give it a second thought like I never got like you know nervous around them or anything it was just like whatever you skate I skate let's just fucking do this you know but, but like there's been like certain editors where I would get all like flustered around them because it was like your work meant a lot to me. You know, yeah. it's like reason one of the reasons yeah. I'm out here. You know, and like, but it all ties so. back to skateboarding. That's the awesome thing. Even your drive that got you into editing came from your desire. It's all in skateboarding. it's all Gleam the Cube, dude. It's, yeah. all, all, it's all from Gleam the Cube. <laughs> it's that one the, moment in Gleam okay, the Cube so. that was like basically set the trajectory for my entire life. And, and here, so here's the whole context of this whole podcast that you should learn: Gleam the Cube. Stomp the spider. Stomp I mean, that's spider. like that's it. it's all about stomping the spider. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's so good. I'm going to teach a kid sometime next time I go skateboard. I'm going to grab a kid who needs to learn how to drop in. I go, come on, kid, we're going to learn to stomp yeah. the spider. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, dude, it's I'm glad we got to sit down and talk. Um, I learned new things about you. That's what I do like about these. Someone I've known for a long time, and yeah. we 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 aren't just people that cross. I mean, we hang out, slept on each other's floors, whatever. Yeah, you know, we share dinners and family, and yeah, it's not. Yeah, we're not just two skaters who meet at the skate park once every six months. So, um, but I still learn stuff that I had no idea. Oh, so wait, and, so we, then we get we didn't talk about it. so that, how I met you was through I, some guys that were trying to do the Texas Skate Dog, and then uh, somehow I got put in touch with you, and then we just ended up becoming friends. Like you know, obviously I shot a lot of interviews at your house, but you know, yeah, yeah and, and, I, and I think friends, that's just where I know? fit in skateboarding. I'm I'm relatively approachable. I, I guide people in the right direction whether I'm able to help them or not. Yeah. Uh, I had someone once was doing some sort of documentary and so they called like 20 people in the skateboard industry and asked for a list of two or three people to talk to and I was the only name that all 20 people said you have to talk to Jim because yeah. they knew that I would be honest with them and sure. I would level with them whereas a lot of the people play based on their their cool status sure. right? what company they work for yeah. what they want to promote. I I would self sabotage my own company I guess sometimes whatever to be honest about skateboarding sure. for whatever reason like you said the you, you feel closer to the to the skate, skateboarders and the Hollywood stars or like that just the different bond I feel yeah. kind of the same way about skateboarding business yeah. is just business I don't think business is hard yeah. really um, but I've always had this real stickler thing like I'm, I won't fuck skateboarding over just to make an extra dollar yeah. you know what I mean if I do something in skateboarding or with skateboarding or around skateboarding I want it to be good good quality legitimate you know honest it means like i yeah. just i have this thing like i i can't like 
rape and pillage what gave me so much yeah. fun and so much joy in my life. I have it's like this. It's, it's the one thing that holds the purity. I've done shit in life I should be embarrassed about just in life. Yeah, but I haven't done that to skateboarding. You know well, what I mean? I think like it's also just weird. like coming from skateboarding and and punk rock, you kind of have a, a bit of a different. Like I have a different perspective, and so I think a lot of like because I grew up looking up to guys like Jeff Phillips and and John Gibson and Craig Johnson and Dan Wilkes and all those dudes, like the big boys, like again had a huge impact on me. And I think because of those guys, like that helped drive me to come out here. Like I, I don't think I would have had that if I hadn't found skateboarding. I feel like it gave me a lot of confidence and i think one of the biggest things is that feel that being able to develop that sort of persistence and that that sort of like if you fall get back up try it again and i think you know that resilience like i i don't think i could do what i do without having been a skateboarder well and i and again the texas the scene i mean i mean i was excited when you reached out to me just about doing something about the texas scene texas has yeah. some amazing skateboarders um there's an amazing uh sense of grit amongst the texas skateboarders yeah. Uh, I understand why. I, I grew up here right here in the center of Southern California in yeah. Orange County between L.A. and San Diego. I mean, the companies were here. The magazines were here. Most of the pro yeah. skateboarders lived here. Um, it, it just, I got sponsored because I went places where everyone hung out, so I was able to get noticed. There could be kids that were better than me in yeah. other places, but they weren't going to get noticed because nobody was yeah. there watching You're them. The you know, and, so yeah. I, and I always understood that. Yeah. So when you saw guys like Craig Johnson and, uh, and Jeff Phillips and all that. I mean, those guys, those guys, they 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 fought for their place. I mean, yeah. they 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 were gritty. No, you know, yeah. no holds barred. I mean, uh, to me, I never took it that seriously because I didn't have to fight to get there. Yeah, it was just put right in front of me. I'm yeah. very very aware of that. I don't ever I don't ever bullshit about that one. It's like it is what it is, man. I'm I'm fortunate. I just I ride my fortune in that sense, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think but also, John Gibson, probably the first guy I ever saw from Texas come out here. Yeah, or, or the, Gold the Gold Cup series, series like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody was kind of blown away by him. It's like, what the fuck? This guy's from Texas. Like, yeah, the heck he who's this from? little yeah. fucking redhead kid yeah. coming out here, kill, killing us. Yeah, uh, I like I like JG. There's a lot of JGs in skateboarding. John Gibson, Jeff Grosso, Jim Gray, Gray Jim Goodrich. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of JGs. There's a whole yeah. bunch of us. Well, there's also and and like also I think too. There's like I think when you go through skateboarding, you kind of develop a, a strong bullshit detector too so there's a lot of stuff in Hollywood where it's like I don't do certain things or whatever and probably get, I'd probably get further in my career if I did but I'm yeah. just, a lot of it feels fake to me I just can't yeah. you know operate like that it's hard for me to, to do that like and well, also it's you not know, fun again, feeling I, like I you're like, not being genuine I, I just don't yeah, feel good about like yeah. I'm not being like you have to wonder who you really just talked to If you, I, I would hate that if someone left me it's funny I was talking to my girlfriend the other day I said something about someone acting that way you go you know what but what you got to feel about some people, they were like rude. And I met them the other day and they were just, they were also rude. I go, oh, now I understand what you were talking about. Yeah. And I go, but guess what? They have to live for themselves. Could yeah. you imagine how bad you'd feel if you knew you left the room and someone said, I met that Jim Gray guy. What a dick. You know what I mean? Or like, what an arrogant prick or whatever. I mean, I'm sure not everyone's ever met me, has liked me or you or like that. Sure. But most people at least say, yeah, the guy was all right. Even if they don't like you or they don't like your style or like that. Like, yeah. no one's going to say, like, dude. That guy just fully like treated me like crap or like, and you see people who do that all day long. Yeah, dude, that would be a 
That'd be the weirdest feeling to think that people were talking about how like what a jerk you were. Oh, I mean, you know, I can't, uh, I, I can't not say that I don't think probably people have talked. Oh, shit we've all rubbed somebody wrong, and but that, and, like, I've definitely. Had I'm shit not everybody's talking. like cup of tea. I, there's a lot of social situations I've come away from like, oh man, did I just come off like a total asshole or like yeah, some yeah, arrogant? I have too. I've come across arrogant. You know, I've come yeah, across you're like, there's different than I'm disrespecting you, know, you straight out. Like uh, no, I don't even yeah. meet you, and I'm gonna look right through you. Sure. Like the other day, I struck Chuck Hands with someone. They introduced me to someone at a funeral, and they looked right through me. And then I, I read the background of what they did, and I was okay. They're wealthy. They're this that. They didn't give a fuck who I was or sure. what, anything about me. They, yeah. they didn't have to. Well, the thing is, no one has to. You don't have to. I don't have to. I look at people and and take them for who they are because sure. they're people. Yeah. They deserve it. I may not spend a lot of time with them or ever really care to spend time with them or like that. But but everybody's yeah. Everybody is worth, you know acknowledging sure. that's the way I look I just feel yeah. that way someone who's, who's always be who's nice dude. homeless it's... on the street with no shoes and, and shirtless sitting there yeah. they're still a human being right. I'm going to give them respect as long as they respect me back right yeah. you know but so you see someone who's like I'm who, who looks right through you like I'm better than you because like my daddy helped me get rich or something like that you know sure, I mean? brothers there was uh, this one uh, food stand and they had a, they would have a, this little quote on the Warner Brothers there was uh, this one uh, food stand, and they had a, they would have a, this little quote on the Warner Brothers. There was uh, this one uh, food stand, and they had a, they would have a, this little quote on the Warner Brothers. There was uh, this one uh, food stand, and they had a, they would have a, this little quote on the window. There's there was uh, this one uh, food stand, and they had a, they would have a, this little quote on the window. It said something, and I believe it was accredited to Plato, and I, it was something to the effect of "Be nice. You don't. You never know what someone else is going through." And that's, that's really like it is like always be nice because no one wants to work with an asshole. Because a lot true. of times and at these I, jobs, like we're working long hours. Yeah. There was something that uh, Tina Fey, I think, had asked Lauren Michaels. Like she told the story about she she asked Lauren Michaels. She's like she was trying to um, staff up the writers' room for Thirty Rock, and she said like, "How do you pick writers?" He said, "Pick the person you want to be in an elevator with at four in the morning because that's what it's going to be. Yeah. You will literally be in an elevator with someone at four in the morning. If they're an asshole, you don't want to ride in an elevator yeah. with them. Then then you're not going to want to work with them. Yeah, I'd say so. as a general rule in life. If you don't like the way someone acts, don't act like them. Yeah, that's exactly. something should, that's, yeah. that should that should teach everybody something. Yeah, look at how people that you just don't like the way they acted or treated you or talked to you or t watch them talk to other people, and yeah. don't be that person. Yeah, and then you'll probably be okay in life. Yeah, because we're all watching the same people. Sure. So if you see people being jerks and you're being jerks like them, yeah, you should be able to step back and go. God, that was really lame the way they were being. But then, why in the hell would I want to be that? You yeah, know but I mean? also so, like not judge people too harshly because again, you don't know what everybody's going. You're right. Through. Yeah, like you I don't said, know. They just got fired know, five minutes ago, and they're so angry sure. at the world. And they're having a bad day. And you just go, okay, whatever. Yeah, I get it. I mean, and we all forget that sometimes. But in, but in general, you're right. You can't. Uh, you can't yeah. do that. Well, we could talk forever. We need to sign off. <laughs> sure. uh, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you let me force you sit down and uh, do a podcast. Yeah. You know, and uh, and their story is amazing. It's better than I even knew. I've known you for a long time, and now I know your story yeah. better. And it's, I mean, it's, it's really unfortunate cool. that the doc thing didn't really kind of. Well, it's never work over till it's over, man. You never know what. You know. It's, it's never. Been I still finished, have all. Right? I still yeah. have all the interview footage. Yeah. I mean, and it's like it's you know again. It's like I don't, I don't think I'll ever get rid of that because. You know, it's, it was just great to have that time with with all those guys, you know, well, and, and like to have that experience because it was like these are all my heroes, the guys that I grew up looking up to, and so to be able to have that that time with them was really awesome. Uh, so, and you know, again, uh, well, that, that's something you, can, you that's for, something you for, can't for buy. making that happen too. Like, you and, know. and again, I, I, you know, I like hearing that because I'm always glad that I help rather than hurt anything. Um, 
but I love when someone will tell me that I helped them with something I don't even really remember it because yeah. uh, you know if someone comes to me I'm going to give them the best, just the most honest sure. advice or connections I can yeah. and that's the way it should be like you yeah. know it's not like cut me in on a piece and we'll talk and I'll yeah. you know I'll, I mean like no it's just not that doesn't make me feel good. So I'm glad. I'm glad I helped and whatever. And, and if it, if all I helped was for you to spend some time with some people that you might not have spent time with, and it was a good experience, hell yeah, that I did something good yeah. for your life. I'm okay. Yeah, I was like, I was sort of disappointed with the way things went, but at the same time, I was like, I was really happy that I got to have those experiences. So it wasn't like a total loss, you know. Um, well, and so. life is long. You never know where it meanders back. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. You know. So, all right, well, we're going to uh, sign off here and uh, give Tiago some love. He's laying between yeah. us. We have a big furry puppy who decided to jump up yeah. between us during this podcast, and he's become pretty regular at doing that lately. Yeah. So, um, all right, well, until yeah. next time, people, uh, we're saying uh, goodbye to Scott Pellet, and uh, Thank you for you having know, me. hope you guys enjoyed. Talk to you later. Cheers. Show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.